Trigger warning. This podcast discusses themes centered around emotional, physical, and sexual violence. While the stories of the survivors are meant to be inspiring and informative, listener discretion is advised. If you are struggling with any of the aforementioned issues, links to resources can be found in the show notes of today's episode. I was frequently alone or preferred being alone because of how scary it was when I wasn't alone. So I'd spend a lot of time alone with my dog. And I remember my first memory was actually almost drowning when I was two because I was alone. Um, My dog saved me. And then it was when I was four that my uncle was murdered. And there were just many things that happened. Um, I was a latchkey kid for a lot of that time. So just kind of raised myself. And when I was 12, my stepfather, my first stepfather of six weeks molested me. And then one of the weirdest things that happened, I think, um, that was one of the harder things for me to shake and I did therapy over was I was walking to high school, 8.30 in the morning, I was 15 years old, and I was attacked on the street. Hi, Survivors. I'm Tara Newell. And I'm Collier Landry, and this is the Survivor Squad Podcast. Yay, another episode. Another episode, and we have a we have a really good one this week because we've got somebody who is not only a survivor, but also has worked with post-traumatic stress, uh, ACEs, adverse childhood experiences, and, and developed programs to help lead people through trauma. And who is our guest? Yes, our guest is Tana Amen. She is a New York Times bestselling author. She's a health and fitness expert. She's the vice president of the Amen Clinics, the real leader in brain health. The Amen Clinics is the best place for brain health. They're leading experts in brain science. I think it's what you yes. need to say, right? Yes. Yeah, they yes. do things like brain scans and things for, for people who have been through post-traumatic stress and to analyze that so they can better understand how the human brain and the human body then therefore copes with stressful situations. Yes, you said it right. <laughs> Perfect. Well, I'm here to sum up for the for the audience. So, but yes. Tara, you have some direct experience with them, correct? Oh, yes. Right after my attack, I went to the Amen Clinics. I met with a therapist there and I only did about probably six sessions there, but my sister got a brain scan. Her boyfriend got a brain scan. And it's really interesting how, say, people get diagnosed with certain things and then you get a brain scan and you realize it might be toxic mold. It might be this, it might be something else. And it's really interesting because you don't know unless you get inside to the body. Which they have this valuable insight that they offer people and they, and they believe they've even offered us, well, she offered us brain scans, which we hopefully are going to get soon. Yes. I hope that happens because that would be a dream. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, let's get into today's episode with Tana Amon. Let's get into it. So can you tell us about the Omni diet? So that was actually the beginning of my journey. That was actually the beginning of my mission. I was actually on nine medications, medications to manage side effects of other medications. I was just done. I was my fourth time going in and find Well, third time I found out I had cancer again. 
and they did treatments. I couldn't even have surgery anymore because I had so much scar tissue in my neck. And so they're like, we have to do an experimental treatment and you're going to have to take more medication. And I'm like, I can't, I can't, I just can't do this anymore. This is ridiculous. But when I complained about it, the doctor said that I was in denial and that I should be grateful for all the medications available. I'm like, well, I'm glad you think so. I don't agree with you. And I, I have a little bit of an attitude. So, so um, I'm a fighter. I practice martial arts. I have two black belts because after I got attacked, I was like, that's not happening again. One of us is going to die the next time. So that's not going to happen again. Um, and I, I just sort of took the same attitude with my health. I'm like, you're not going to tell me that I have to settle for this. And so I started doing the research on my own and I went on this journey and I took 300 hours of metabolic medicine at the um, A4M, which is the American Academy of Anti-Aging Medicine. And I learned so much, it was so eye-opening. So what I thought was nutrition before was sort of backwards. And so I started applying all of that to my life. And it was such a massive turnaround for me that my husband actually said, you need to put this in a book. We need to actually be teaching our patients this. And so that's really where it was born. That's how it started. And I just became sort of um, you know, one could call it obsessed. I was just very passionate about it. And I turned my pain into purpose in a sense. Okay. That's what you guys are doing. Yeah. That's what we're all trying to do. And it, it gives you such. Exactly. Exactly. What is the Omni diet then? So it's really, it's, I mean, now, now I think it's more, a more common way of eating. Um, I would say it's sort of a hybrid of like, say paleo, um, but more brain focused. Okay. And there are some differences. Like there's no, like not, we don't really advocate honey and, and maple syrup. There's some differences to it. But I'd say if I had to compare it to anything that it was closest to, it would probably be that. Um, but it's more with a brain focus to it. So for example, there are certain brain types that do better eating a certain way and others that don't. For example, I do great doing a keto diet. My daughter makes her like nuts if she eats keto. She just gets obsessive. So not everyone ever should have the same diet. And at Amon Clinics, even though we have a basic plan that we think works for most people, we'll put you on an elimination diet when you first come in. Because if we can get people's nutrition right, 80% of the time, they get better with that and they don't even need medicine. And when they do need medicine, they need a lot less of it. They need a lot less of it, especially kids. We don't want to be putting kids on heavy medication. So, which we get criticized for, by the way. <laughs> so, I'm sure you do. I'm not surprised at all. Big pharma, it's a whole nother thing. My father was a doctor. I'm asthmatic. And uh, I had, you know, steroids and all of that as a kid. But, yeah, you know, when I would get inflamed and infected, I would have to do that. But obviously when he, obviously when he was arrested, all that stopped. But it's interesting if I think about if I had been raised in an environment like that, because when I was finally adopted out of foster care, my adopted parents were not, they weren't really into psychology. They were, they weren't really into medicine really. I mean, they were, I mean, they were into medicine, like a normal family, but it wasn't like, we're going to go ahead and like when all the kids are taking Ritalin, like they weren't, they weren't buying right. that. You know what I mean? Like, no, the kid doesn't need to be on drugs. The kid needs to, to work his shit out. Right? right. And I think that we've gotten so far away from that in this country. I mean, we could go on and on about this, but I do think about what would have happened in my situation, because my my mother and I were very close, and would I have been coddled medically growing up, versus allowed to like, oh, he needs to maybe not take his inhaler, or he needs to maybe not take prednisone, and see if he can just fight this out of his system, versus you know, here's Nyquil, here's Dayquil, here's whatever, and I mean, I was just telling Tara, I haven't been sick in two and a half years, knock on wood, 
but uh, you know, and and I made it through the pandemic without getting COVID. And I think that there's a lot of things that when you when you look at how we are so quick to jump on people for for not putting putting medicine in our body or jumping down that rabbit hole, but we are, but we don't think about nutrition and how not getting the right nutrients can really affect the you know the outcome of of what your disease is and what, what is happening to you and your physical, the physical changes in your body are coming by what you're putting in your body. Absolutely. And you said something really important. That is, that's huge. It's obviously huge, but you said something else important. One of the things that builds resilience and one of the things that makes a difference in how people turn out is, is how they frame their story. And so I was listening to you talk. And when you said, um, what did you say? You said, um, would I be as strong as I am now if I had taken the medication? If would I have been as medically coddled or something like that? Yeah, so you've yeah, yeah. already framed it in your head that you, even though that horrible thing happened to you, you're a stronger person in a sense. Like yeah. somehow you're stronger. And so that is the difference. You right there, you nailed it. Because in your head, just hearing you talk, you're talking as though it's not a question. You are a stronger person as a result even though you wouldn't want it to happen, right? You didn't wish for it to happen, nor mm. would you want it to happen again. But you're phrasing it in a way where it's like, would I be as strong as I am now? Which means, implies that you think you're strong now. So when people can frame their stories that way, that is the determinant of resilience right there. I'm an ass kicker. So I just know it. Like, like that's just how it is. But there are, many of my family members are not. They yeah. just fold. They fold yeah. immediately. And it's like, you know, they whine Fold. and cry. And so how you frame your story is important. I'm an ass kicker too. <laughs> 100%. Well, obviously you protected yourself. <laughs> yeah. And I got away, which is funny. I got away with like two stab wounds and I was just like, like why today? That's crazy. <laughs> that is just crazy. I've always told my daughter after being attacked on the street and drugged down an alley, um, that's why I, I mean, I started practicing martial arts. I think all women should have self-defense, Yeah. but yeah. I told my daughter, I'm like, this whole thing of raising girls to be good little girls and be polite to everyone is bullshit. Like you be a bitch first and apologize later if you're wrong. I, mm -hmm. I just, if you ever think you're in danger, I want you to have an, like a major attitude, be very loud and no, we're not doing that. What, today. Is, that, what <laughs> like, is that phrase? Well, well-behaved women seldom make history. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. exactly. I don't know who said it, but, but, uh. Yeah. Well, yeah. if you look at any true crime case where the survivor survives, they fought back and they fought like hell. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And whether that comes from training or it comes from instinct, a little training yeah. is always good though. Yes. Um, but whether it comes from training or instinct, it's just an important, it's an important trait, but we raise our girls to be so quiet and polite. And, you know, fortunately my daughter's not like that. She's five feet tall, but she's scrappy. And, and I want her to be that way. I love that. You just touched upon something else that I'd like to I'd like to delve into just to get your perspective, but on how we're raising our children or our families these days. And like, I don't have any children; I have a Chihuahua child, but <laughs> I don't. Um, I don't. Uh, I often wonder because my instincts, your instincts, Tara's instincts. Nobody taught us how to do that. That was all no. instinctual. Are we right. almost in this society, I feel in a lot of ways when I see a lot of things or I meet younger people, men especially, I feel like, are we, are we raising the instinct out of the younger generation? Oh, I think we do. 
Absolutely. I actually think you're correct. And why do we do that? Well, I think with women, a lot of it, one of my favorite books is called The Gift of Fear um, by Gavin DeBecker. She's nodding. <laughs> um, I love that book. <laughs> part of it is that we're so worried about what other people are going to think. I think that's part of it. Um, another part of it is the food, the met, the, all the, you talk, touched on earlier, all the drugs that we're giving kids. Um, it, it's numbing people. We're numbing people in essence, with all of the medications and the foods and things like that. But a lot of it has to do with perception, political correctness, um, all of these things. It's like, oh, you can't say that. Even if someone is threatening you, you feel you start to question yourself. Whenever you shut that down over and over and over again, then when you need it, it's like you question it. You start to, am I wrong? Am I right? You, that voice, you're not sure if you should trust it. That's why ever since my daughter was really small, I always told her, trust your tummy. She didn't know what I was talking about. She was like two, three, four. Yeah. But because of what had happened to me, I'm like, you always trust your tummy. I will always listen to you. Even if you're not sure, I will always listen to you. And it was that bond that we had, that trust that we had that gave her the safety and the freedom to do that. But most people don't do that with their kids because they're too worried about how they're going to look. That's so interesting. Would you tell every parent that they need to ask their child like how they're feeling every day and like to trust their body to do a body check-in what would you say you recommend parents do to like help the society today so that's interesting we actually in our house i'm not sure that we actually were thinking that deep about it to be honest with you but yeah. dinner time was always a big thing in our house and our kids think of course we're super weird it's like we can't have our friends over you guys are so weird because dinner time is that time where we talk about everything like the kids could always talk about, every, I don't care what it was, curiosity about drugs or about sex, or we would talk about things like, what do you think about abortion? What do you think about, you know, whatever's going on um, in the news? And so we would always bring those, those things up. And my daughter's like, you know, people don't talk about this stuff. We can't actually talk about this stuff. I can't have friends over. I'm like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. But we would always yeah. sit and talk about these things and be just super open. And we wouldn't tell them what to think. It's like, what do you think? Yeah. And just be able to tell me why you think what you think. So there was that. And I think the other thing that is really important, believe it or not, and they've done, they did a, an analysis. They found that all of the Rhodes Scholars had one common denominator. Their parents read to them. And so I'm not saying, we're not talking about Rhodes Scholars here, but we're talking about bonding. Yeah. And so when you have a bond with your child, they're more likely to tell you the truth. They're more likely to stay out of trouble. They're more likely to trust themselves. And so I read to my daughter until she kicked me out of her room. Oh, I think she was 11. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. My mom read to me almost every night. Yeah. Before I read to her. Yeah, exactly. See, then <laughs> she started reading to me. Exactly. And yeah. it's such an important thing. And yeah. even with all of the crap you've been through, I I'm going to just go out on a limb here because I don't know you that well, but I'm going to go out on a limb here and say it probably made a difference with all of the crap you've gone through. Look where you are now. Look at the person you are now. Those early years are the most important formative years. Absolutely. You know, I made a film about this. Uh, it came out a couple of years ago and I traveled around the world with it and I had people come out of the woodwork and some of these people worked with Dr. Bruce Perry and they said, mm -hmm. I want to talk to you because I want to make sure that you understand why you are the way you are. Mm -hmm. I said, okay, go, go ahead. Go, go for it. Cause I'm very curious <laughs> because I just think it's from my mother. Like, well, absolutely. Then, then they were like your mother, because she treated you like an adult until Mm -hmm. the day that she was killed she didn't baby you she didn't speak to you in a baby voice like a child she didn't coddle you 
she was very strict and education was especially with my with my birth parents they both went to Penn they were street kids they were from poor families but they 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 went to school and they got good educations and so that was something that was held in very high regard in my household but they were explaining to me that when you're raised that way when you are dropped like with a tragedy, you bounce back to a point where you're not in your fight or flight. You're in your logical brain of like, what can I do? Okay, my mom, I know my mom has been murdered. Okay, now I'm going to start gathering evidence against my father. And they were explaining how that worked to me. And I was like, whoa, that's wild. And so I guess I, I really started thinking. Super. Yeah. So you were building resilience. We call it brain reserve. Um, you were not only building resilience. I mean, she obviously raised a really intelligent kid and, she, and you had really good habits. But when those those really good habits are what we call brain reserve. So, so for example, kids who grew up in chronic trauma like my nieces, they didn't have any of that, none of those habits, none of those things. Mm -hmm. So it's shocking that my, my older niece is actually doing as well as she is. Mover Nation, you guys all know how I lead a really busy life, right? And I know we could all use a little more relaxation. Now, whether you're trying to chill out or just need a good night's rest, Next Evo's CBD will be your best friend. But, and this is big, not all CBD products are created equal. Shockingly, a study found that many CBD brands contain as little as 60% of what their labels promise. I've been trying out Next Evo Naturals and Movers. It's the real deal. And their commitment? Well, it's giving you exactly what's on the label. Remember, they've undergone four clinical trials, a feat unmatched by any other brand of CBD. Now, I personally adore their Stress CBD Complex Gummies. When I'm feeling anxious or overwhelmed, they are a total game changer. And those nights when sleep is all too elusive for me, the triple action CBD sleep does absolute wonders. Leave summer stress behind and upgrade your CBD. Go to nextevo.com forward slash MPT to get 25% off plus a free bottle of premium pure CBD, a $50 value, limit one use per customer. That's N-E-X-T-E-V-O dot com slash MPT. When you have those things starting out, those really good habits, what ends up happening is you're building a reserve. Same thing happens even physically. When people would come into the hospital, the people who would survive a gunshot wound or you know whatever, a, a horrific car accident, the people who survived were the ones that came in the healthiest, right? We put them on a ventilator. They're not eating for sometimes a very long time. And their metabolism is through the roof and they become emaciated. The ones who survive are the ones with the most reserve. They're the healthiest going in. But the same is true mentally. The healthier you are going in, the more reserve you have going in, the more resilient you are to it. That's why you're where you are and you don't have a needle in your arm somewhere. Wow. That's wild. So those early foundational years, that's why I said I don't know you that well, but I can see you sitting here. So those early foundational years are critical. Yeah. Because yeah. none of us get out of life without some kind of trauma. Yours was extreme, <laughs> both of you. But, but even though yours was extreme, you got through it way better than some people who have 2% of what you went through. Yeah. And, and also, you know, as I tell people, and they say that to me, and, and thank you for saying that, or they say that both Tara and I, we're always very cautious to be like, look, look, we're like the exception, not the rule. So that doesn't discount anything that they've gone through either. We try to have, have that compassion with no. people because it's like everybody's trauma is very unique to them. And you, 
and it's all about like the approach, right? And I think for for myself, when I made the film, and then I you know go back through messages that I get from people, it's not people who's my father murdered my mother. An overwhelming amount of the people are sexual assault survivors, right? Um, you know, victims of child sexual abuse turned it turns into the cycle of adult sexual abuse and bad relationships and mm -hmm. domestic abuse and violence and things of that nature. And then you know, and oftentimes it ends up into a spiral of either alcohol or drug addiction or substance abuse in general or 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 whatever it is, right? And then either they kind of come back and they see a story like mine and then they go, oh, if you can make it, I can make it too. And it, and it causes them to sort of change their ways, which is amazing. Absolutely. When one person sees, it only takes seeing one person who has survived it for some people to actually go, if, if anyone can do it, then everyone can do it, or at least I can. Yeah. Doesn't mean they will. And it's also like, it's not messiatic either. You know what I mean? So it's, it's like, you have that sense of like awareness that like, okay, I'm just a normal guy, but, and you want them to, to hold that in, in, in regard of like, like this can happen to anyone, you know, we're all not unique. We're all human beings. Right. In that way. No. And you're being humble. Um, yes, I agree with you. It's you're, you're human and flesh, but the way that both of you have handled your trauma, turning it from pain to purpose, um, I would challenge that a little bit that that's not the norm. Um, and if it is, it takes people a little bit of time, which is why you're here doing what you're doing. You're hoping to help people yeah. Thank you. get to that place a little better, right? Very true. I'm still stuck on the brain reserve, though. I'm like, how do I build more of that? I just stick with my routines. Like, like I don't know. <laughs> that excites me. If you're reading Omni Diet, that's a big part of it. Brain Warrior's Way was another one my husband and I wrote together. Okay. And that's um, really, because I'm a martial artist, so I love warrior terms. Um, so that was another one. Two black belts. Yeah. And see, that's how I channeled that. That's I would channel that. That was my therapy, right? That was how I channeled my sure. intensity um, and my frustration and whatever. But, but really, it's about that warrior mindset. And so... Um, it sounds like you're already doing a lot, but really all the principles are in Omni Diet. All the principles are in Brain Warrior's Way. It's about those daily habits. It's really just, it really is that simple and people want to make it so much more complicated than it is. Okay. Well, Collier and I are huge on teaching our coaching clients that we need to build routines in our life yeah. because that creates your stability. And when you go through trauma, I feel like you can't stay away from trauma sometimes <laughs> it just mm -hmm. finds you like the other day so i'm broken in my place that mm. is unfortunate that's gonna happen i didn't ask for anything you know but i had to rebuild my brain afterwards to feel safe mm -hmm. and to also put up boundaries in order to feel safe in this place because i was i had to understand that this can happen now yeah. what do we need to do do we get cameras? Do we, you know, talk to all the neighbors to make sure we're all in a line together? And I did all those steps. And then now I'm feeling back to homeostasis. <laughs> but see, listen to what you did. Some people break down, they cry, they freak out, they drink, they whatever. Um, you came up with a plan almost immediately. Yeah. Right? Because that's what makes you feel safe. So that's 
the big difference. And is that epigenetics? That's a good question because I don't know her past. So Because when I think about it, that's what I did with my mother. So my mother, I, I hear the murder happen the next morning. My father says, mommy took a little vacation, call her, and it comes with this whole story how they got into a fight. Oh. And then I started being in action. I talk about this. I, I did a TED talk about this where I was explaining, like, for me, when you're looking at trauma, I feel like it's about what's what's next. It was what leads you through the trauma. So I had a plan. Okay, he's leaving. I'm going to make the phone calls. I'm going to get the police involved by way of my mother's friends. I'm going to start gathering evidence. I'm literally telling the detective, I'm going to look for my mother's body in a crawl space. And then I found all this evidence over the course of a month. And then he's, it ends up leading to my mother. I'm wondering, because you were talking about the epigenetics earlier, like the planner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and to have that response, just like Tara had with the break-in, just like I had as a child, people have, they enact a plan when they're in a trauma, when when they're in a moment of, of experience, the trauma, is that part of epigenetics? It absolutely could be. Um, I think part of it probably is. Without knowing your past, I can't answer that specifically, but there are also personality types. So for example, there are people who run into fires, there are people who run away from fires, right? It's just, mm. they become firemen or you call 911. Um, so I'm one of those people who runs into fires. I'm sort of taking it from here that you guys probably are too. So I'm a trauma nurse, right? I I chose a level A trauma unit because I don't run away from from the mess. I tend to run into the mess. Now that I would say for me is probably epigenetics, Um, but it's also some of it is also like there's nature and nurture. So some of it is also how I grew up and then learning how to you know deal with that. So um, my own training comes from partially from my past. Does that make sense? Like, I don't like feeling like, like I'm out of control. So I'm going to figure out how to feel control in, in chaos. Yeah. So some of it was, was nurture as well. Hmm. Um, but I can say for me, I think a lot of it is epigenetics and it sounds like from you, for you too, it might be as well. Well, I'm like thinking back to my mom, she's a freezer like, it's funny. We had a fire and she grabbed a coffee mug and stayed like in the fire for a minute. And my sister and I were out with like the kids and stuff. <laughs> and my mom was just like a coffee mug. Not knowing what to do. So like, I think yeah. back to that and I'm just like, I think that there's, I I kind of wanted to do opposite of my mom. Love my mom, but I wanted to do opposite of what she's learned. Right. Maybe she didn't feel strong enough or safe enough for you. Yeah. And, you know, it's also your your dad, your grandparents. It's not just your parents. That's true. So um, it goes to your grandparents as well. That's true. And I'm trying to think of like everyone now. It's just really a fascinating thing because you learn so much just by taking a pause and then thinking back of like your history of your family. Yeah, it really is. And they've done lots of studies on that, on epigenetics. Are you familiar with the the, the mice um, and the cherry blossoms? No. no. They did a study on mice. And what they did is they would shock these mice. And then they would, give them, they would expose them to the scent of cherry blossoms. They would shock them, give them the scent of cherry blossoms. They did this over and over and over. So that the mice became terrified of the scent of cherry blossoms. Then when the mice had babies, they had them breed. And when the mice had babies... They exposed the babies to the scent of cherry blossoms, but they never shocked them. And they were terrified of the scent of cherry blossoms. So there's something in that epigenetics, right? Yeah. That's epigenetics in a nutshell right there. Wow. But the good news was 
they raised those babies in a different environment and their babies were not afraid of the scent of cherry blossoms. Thank goodness. <laughs> so it can be changed, right? Okay. Depending on like the hope is that I've raised my daughter differently. Hopefully, yeah. you know, it'll be a little bit different for her. So you're saying that, that it was one generational cycle to get into it and one generational cycle to get out of it? Yeah. Now I don't, that's not, I'm not, I don't know the stats on how many of the mice were scared of the cherry blossoms. Sure. So it probably was not a hundred percent. Okay. Um, but what they found was that if they changed the environment for the mice, it did change the outcome for the next generation. So that was, the, for me, that was the more exciting part than just yeah. the trauma. Yeah. Was this in, it didn't start with you. I think so. I think the study is older than that, but he shares it. He was actually okay. on our podcast. Yeah. He was? Yeah. I love that. So, but it started, the study is older than that. Okay. Yeah. I remember listening to that now that you mentioned it and it didn't start mm -hmm. with you, I believe, or the body keeps the score. I just listened yeah. to both of those book, books on audiobook. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. Right. I, it's just like, there's so much knowledge out there and then everything changes every day too. So much always coming out, but. How do you stay on top of the research and everything? That's a good question. I think because my husband and I are both so interested in it, it's just something we do. Um, I think, you know, we sit in the morning and we have our little quarter cap lattes and we're, like we're sort of sharing what's going on. Did you say quarter calf? Yeah, we do quarter calf lattes in the morning. I got excited when you said lattes. I'm like, oh, they drink coffee. Okay, so coffee's all right. Okay. No, I do. The problem is I coffee's like crack for me also, so I have to like sort of tone it down. Yeah. Because um, I actually have heart rate issues from my thyroid. But um, but we'll sit there and we will kind of go over what's new and you know what's going on. And um, I think because we're both authors, we're always both sort of looking things up and researching. And yeah. it's 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 easier when the your partner is sort of that way too. I can't watch the news these days because that just gets me triggered. Yeah. So I just sort of avoid it. Yeah, I don't watch the news either. It's too triggering. I like to listen to audiobooks, YouTube channels. Like I subscribe to your YouTube channel and I love it when oh. you even mention when people were coming over for the holidays, they were bringing trying to bring like a sweet or a cake or something and you're like, no, not here. <laughs> Yeah, no. <laughs> and now I'm like, now I can be like, okay, you bring it. But and when I go to their house, I'll take my own, like I'll always take something because it's not only polite, but now yeah. I have something to eat. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I bring funny. them lots of artichoke. I love artichoke because of the <laughs> thyroid, you know? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's fun. I love that. It's so interesting. Right. I feel like we could talk about stuff for hours and hours and I don't want to keep you too long, but I'm just a huge fan of yours and your husband's and you guys have helped so much in my healing journey alone. And I'm just so thankful for you guys and everything that you created. You have no idea. Oh, thank you so much. I'm so happy to hear that. Of course. That's amazing. I don't normally cry like this on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> No, I love that. I send a bunch of your videos, your husband's videos, all to my coaching clients because I'm not an expert in nutrition. I'm an expert in recovering from my trauma. But, you know, there's so much research out there and you need to share everyone's research because there's a person that knows something and then you know a lot more, you know? Oh, absolutely. You don't have to be an expert in everything. You just have to know where the experts are. 
Yeah. And all you have to be an expert in is helping people change. Yes. So I just appreciate so. you so much. Thank you. It's been so much fun getting to know you both too. Yeah. No, no, how she just ended it was just perfect. You don't have to be an expert in everything. You just have to be an expert, an expert in helping people change. No, it was, this was really fun. Where, where can we find you? So TanaAmon.com, I have all kinds of free resources there on my website or at TanaAmon is my Instagram and always doing little tidbits because I, I feel like people change the easiest with little tidbits. Yeah. Um, yes. So that's probably where, and that's where I answer the most questions. Fantastic. Fantastic. I love that. Tana Amon, thank yeah. you so much. Uh, it, you know, Tara and I always talk about how we're all part of a club that no one really wants to be a part of, but we're all a part of the Survivor Squad. Absolutely. Thank you so much for your time. Yeah, thank you so much. Really appreciate you. And now I'm about ready to go down a complete rabbit hole. Thanks to you. <laughs> <laughs> read the book. It didn't start with you, Collier. That's the one that I've been bugging you to read. I know you have. I know. Mm -hmm. Well, that was a really interesting episode because I think I fangirled a little bit. Too. You totally fangirled. I didn't expect to have this type of conversation with her when we when you initially booked her for the show and she agreed to come on. And uh, what a fantastic conversation and what like insight into, you know me, I love nutrition and health and, and how all that plays into our trauma recovery and, and building resilience and, you know, getting to the root of what our core problems are. And she's just got so much insight in that because she's done so much work. Oh, yes. And then she has the Omni diet which maybe I should start up now. I think everyone should start up for the brain health. You know, as I said at the end of the episode, now I'm going to go down this rabbit hole, this deep dive into all these other things I had no idea even existed. Well, I hoped everyone enjoyed this episode because I really want people, if they're struggling with PTSD, to get help in every sort of way. And we don't think about how this trauma that we've experienced as as younger people or even as adults how that lingers and can cause so many health issues that we are completely unaware of that we might blame on as you said before outside sources oh yeah well and then it's really crazy because i don't know if you know this but dr daniel amen he did justin bieber he did so many celebrities um brain scans and it's just really interesting to hear those conversations that they have about their brain and what other doctors thought they had. The myriad of celebrities that they have worked with. And you mentioned Justin Bieber, but that's all. Well, they did Anna Lynn McCord also. I got to talk with her on my podcast, Time Out with Tara, and that's on our Patreon as well. So if oh, you guys yes. want to check it out, yeah. Shameless plug. And so another shameless plug for those of you that are going to CrimeCon this year's CrimeCon 2023, Tara and I will be there. That is September 22nd through the 24th. Come check us out there in Orlando, Florida. And if you are already going to CrimeCon, you can vote for this podcast on the Listener's Choice Awards. Yes. Only if you're going, though. But check their going. emails. Yep. That will be in there. And then you can vote on there. But I want to thank you guys for listening. I hope you guys get help in your mental health if you're struggling, because that's what it's really all about is you're not alone. We're so grateful to Tana and the Amen Clinics for allowing her to be on the program. And we will have links and resources in all the show notes of today's episode for you guys. On that note, survivors, I'm Tara Newell. And I'm Collier Landry. And this is the Survivor Squad Podcast. We'll see you guys. Bye. 
The Survivor Squad podcast is made possible by support from listeners just like you. Please subscribe via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. And please consider supporting this program by visiting our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash Survivor Squad.